before we get into uh, the message today, I do want to give uh, one more chance. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. Oh, no. The pastor is going to show a picture of his grandson every single time. Maybe. I mean, you know, I'm two for two. That's all I know. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to be doing that. But I do know that some of you guys aren't able to be here every single week or for whatever reason you missed the opportunity for his world premiere. I mean, uh, for last week's service. Um, I do want to mention something. There is a Lord that answers prayer because Shelly came back to me, which is a miracle in and of itself. So, Shelly, it's good to have you back. Fill out a visitor's card when you're here. Uh, good to have you. Uh, pastor would like to come and visit you later. So, anyway, hey, it is good to see uh, my, my grandson. His name is Ben Oliver Wagner. He uh, was about 7 pounds, 8 ounces. This is the little guy right here. He's so cute. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. I, I just, uh, I can't wipe the stupid grin off of my face. But I want to show this next one to you. Hold on. Yeah, right there. He's like, don't you dare get in between me and my pasty. Like, otherwise, we got problems. Now, I want to go back there. Uh, one, okay, so that's my wife, and those are not her hips. I want you to know that's a pillow that he's laying on. Um, Babe, I want to make sure because it, you got a black pillow with black leggings. And, I mean, you're a grandmother, so, I mean, it would be fine if they were, but they're not. That's all I'm saying. I hope we're still good. Uh, uh, taking places to sleep starting today. So, yeah, that's the, that's the picture. But, but Shelly just uh, was up there actually this weekend, or pardon me, this week, and spending some time with him. And as you can see, he's no longer in the NICU. So thank you guys. All, all said and done. Thank you guys. Thank you for praying for him. Praise the Lord. Uh, we, we figured that he was going in a good direction, but you just never know when those things happen, exactly how long he will be there. And uh, he's doing great. He's doing fantastic. And uh, gaining weight and eating more every single meal, it seems like. So he's doing great. And uh, thank you guys for your prayers. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Okay, so let me just share with you also uh, a couple of things having to do with what's coming next week as we do EHC, uh, Easter at EHC. Let me just share with you, there's going to be a moon bounce for the kids, and that will be happening during their time. So when we dismiss them, it will be dismissed earlier. And so rather than kind of them being in here for the first, you know, all of the singing part, we'll dismiss them a little earlier because there are some activities for the kids. And let me just share with you, we have the 9 and the 10.30. And so if you're wondering, the 10.30 will be a lot like this and feel a lot like this. The 9 will be a smaller group with a little bit more of a stripped-down type feel to it. But if you are willing to serve and help Miss Kendall, Miss Kenya, and those uh, Miss Nancy and some of those that are in the back with the nursery, they will need help. They will need extra hands. And so I don't want you to come and just simply serve during Easter service and not be able to really celebrate it. So we're having a second service. You know, prayerfully, it'd be wonderful if we needed the space, right? But if that's not the case, we still are going to need the help because there will be more kids here next week. There will be more babies in the nursery. And there will be activities that we're supervising, like the moon bounce during service and Easter eggs that we're going to be hiding before that all happens at the end of the 1030 service. So if you're not sure which one to come to, come to the 9. 
It will be a smaller crowd and probably a tiny bit shorter service, but it will also be something that will allow you to celebrate Easter, which is a very big, important day. I don't want you to lose it only in service and not have a chance to celebrate that day because it is a day that's changed our world. So come at 9 and then serve at 10.30. I don't want all of you to serve at 10, or come at 9 and 10.30, but those of you who are interested and able to serve, you can see me. You could even text me if you still got my number. And by the way, I think we could probably put my number up there right now. Um, just be a part of that. We're going to have our moon bounce for the kids. We're our Easter egg hunt for the kids that happens right after service. But we're also going to have a selfie wall. We've got our normal selfie wall, and we're going to have that dressed up a little bit for Easter. And we'll probably have someone there snapping some pictures of you and airdropping those to you, uh, or we'll email them to you so you can get a good photo and you don't have to try to fit five or six of you in doing this thing, you know. We'll take the picture. We'll make sure that you got it and we've got you covered so that you can remember celebrating Easter at EHC. It's going to be a great week next week. You don't want to miss it. And uh, there may even be donuts or something, you know, because there's no such thing as a, the best possible celebration unless there are donuts. Can I get an amen from anybody else shaped like a donut like I am? All right, so anyway, definitely be here. Be a part of that. And by the way, if you're here for the first or second time, give me a shout. Send me a text and just let me know that you're here. Give me your name. Shoot me your number. And I'll do my very best to give you a small Starbucks gift card where you can go get a cup of coffee on me and not have to put up with me. So, I mean, I think that's as good as it gets, right? So there you go. Shoot me a text and we'll be uh, uh, sending that to you today. All right. So I've got a movie that I want to share with you. Actually, today I have two different movies that I'm going to be sharing. I think they're both great. They both come from the last words of Christ. It's a focus on the end of Jesus' life and, uh, and some of the things that he said from the cross. And uh, I think you'll enjoy these two videos, starting with one from the rich young ruler. Oh, yeah. No, I heard what he said. I heard all too well what Jesus told that man that, that thief that he was hanging next to. And you know what? It was drastically different than what he told me. You see, the day that I encountered Jesus, I dropped my knees right in front of him. He had my respect from the start. You see, I wasn't looking for a handout, okay? I explained to him that I had done the hard work. I just needed to know, was there something that I was missing? Was there, was there some good thing that I needed to do in order to inherit eternal life? And you know, sell all that you own. That's what Jesus said. Sell it all, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Yeah, right. You see, I was always taught that salvation is a reward for a life that is filled with good works. It is not a handout that you give to people that can't muster up, up that can't muster up enough character. To earn it themselves. 
My wealth is a clear indication of the favor that rests upon me from God. I had asked about eternal life, and this, this disgusting shell of a man, he's the one that gets it? Jesus told him the day he died, he would be in paradise. This man couldn't bleed a drop of goodness that he hadn't borrowed. No. No, that he hadn't stolen from the righteous man that he's standing next to. He was a thief, and I'm the one that is treated like I've been robbing God all along. I offered to do what I needed to do. This man offered nothing. All he could do was ask for mercy. Hey, and that's how he got salvation. That's how he got eternal life. It was just, it was just given to him. Hey, It was a, a gift. It's an incredible thing that we're studying today from Luke chapter 23. It is a perfect example of the fact that God's gift of salvation is nothing that we can earn. It is only and always an eternal gift that is based on Him and not on us. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Not all of us are always put together and always have it together. And so in Luke chapter 23, we're going to see some pictures of mankind. Today, let me just share with you, I can't help but read this passage of Scripture because when I was younger and I was going to Bible college, this is a... Uh, this is a passage of scripture that was kind of taught to us by the preaching professor. And it's funny because I can still hear his voice in my head. He had one of those voices that kind of carried and had a little bit of authority, you know, and had that kind of sound that it was like, oh, and I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do that. Like not even pretending or trying but I remember that he spoke about this passage. And he said to us, he said, if you look at this, you will see humanity. And that's kind of how he would say it. You would see humanity in two different forms. And I was like, first of all, I can't say it like that. I can't sound like that. But he's right. Like you see two different mindsets. You see one who is angry at God, and then you see one who is humble before God. And the two thieves on the cross are the two snapshots of humanity that he talked about. Still stuck in my brain. It's not the answer, but it is definitely an insight. And as I shared kind of the different times with the Lord just kind of preparing today's message, I see actually four now, I don't know if that's me or him or who's right or who's wrong, but my perception is, is I see three wrong and one that is right. And I want to share those with you today, not because I think I'm speaking to a bunch of people who are lost and without the Lord. I don't think that. But if you are like me, 
There are times in your life where no matter what you have decided in the past, you go back to the way that you were whenever Christ was not involved in your life. It's like the, the life that you live that you want to live is here when Christ is fully engaged and the things that are going on in your life are fully given over to Him. I, I don't want to say, I'm going to say that again. I want to say that you are fully engaged with Christ. That's what I'm trying to convey. And ultimately, there are times where I wander and where I drift. And when that happens, it feels like His, his distance from us is long, long ways away because I've moved, not Him. And so, in this... Timing-wise, I begin to revert back to what I was when I was not with Christ. Can you guys understand where I'm coming from on that? And so as I talk today, I'm not just sharing with you if you are here that you've never made that commitment to the Lord. I want to encourage you today, and in this time, it's a great opportunity. But I want to share four snapshots of humanity Humanity, all right, all right. So four snapshots of humanity that you will see today, and I have a feeling you will probably see yourself in the way that I see myself in that whenever we tend to drift from God. Let's begin with a something to learn. It begins right here. Our something to learn is that when Jesus was living on earth, the nation of Israel was ruled by Rome, but they allowed a puppet government in order to keep the peace. Because of this, there were many rulers, but only Pilate. You guys have heard of Pontius Pilate. You heard, as Paul read, thank you, Paul, by the way, as Paul read just a little bit about Pilate having the authority to hand out a sentence of capital punishment, which means death. So before Jesus was crucified, he was judged in six different trials. In other words, he went before the, the, the former high priest named Annas. He went before the current high priest named Caiaphas. He went before the 70, kind of like the Supreme Court or the Senate of Israel named the Sanhedrin. He went before Pilate, who sent him to Herod, who sent him back to Pilate. They were playing past the buck. And so this is all something that you can read as you read the scriptures, and he is not... He's going before all of these different leaders because they're trying to get him crucified, and some are trying to avoid that from happening. Pilate does not want to commit the crime of killing an innocent man. But the Jewish leaders are dead set that today is the day, now is the time, Jesus has been a thorn in our side long enough, we're going to end this here before the Passover even begins because we don't want to riot on our hands. And so all of this is what's happening. Let's go to our next slide. And as you look at this, when it comes to Jesus, Pilate was trying to pass the buck. In other words, he was trying to give somebody else the problem rather than take it on, on himself. It says here that Herod is fascinated like a carnival sideshow. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture where you'll see these two things and these two dynamics happening right here. So let's leave, uh, leave this and we'll go to Luke chapter 23, verses 4 through 8. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis of charge against this man. But they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here to Jerusalem. On hearing this, Pilate's like, this is a gift from the gods. If he's another man's jurisdiction, he's another man's problem. I'm going to send you to Herod. That's what he's doing right here. 
So on hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. He heard that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction. He sent him there, who was also in Jerusalem at that time, because the Passover was coming. So let's go to our next slide. So when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign or a miracle of some sort. Do you guys understand what's going on? Herod's like, this is that guy, that guy who does crazy things that everybody's been talking about. I wonder if in this moment he might multiply something or, or do a healing of somebody in this area. You know, like he's looking at him as like this carnival sideshow. But Jesus wants nothing to do with entertainment. He just stands before Herod and nothing happens. And eventually he sends him back. And then you see here in verses 24 through 25 that Pilate decides to grant the Jewish people's demands. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder and the one that they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will. So what is going on here? Herod is there like, oh, let me see this and let me see this source of fascination. And Pilate is playing past the buck. Now, these are two people in the images of humanity that I want to talk about. We see Pilate, who passes the buck, and Herod, who finds him a source of fascination, but sees nothing in him beyond just something that's interesting to see. Now, sit here with me for just a quick second. How many of you know people, whenever you talk about God and the place that He has in your life, they start talking about all of the people that have let them down, that had the name of Christian on them, all the hypocrites, all the churches that just want money, and all of these different reasons to pass the buck from them having to stand before God and say, is he who he says he is or is he not? They want to pass the buck instead of have the responsibility on their own shoulders. How many of you know at least one person like that in their life? Right? We all know somebody like that. You know what? You might even be tempted to do that. The truth of the matter is, is that I hate preachers who do the wrong things probably more than you do because I get painted with that brush in people's minds and I never have the chance to tell them that's not me. That's not most of us. And so the truth of the matter is, is that this is what we tend to move towards because if we can blame enough people who have authority on their shoulders, then we don't have to actually take responsibility for our own lack of desire to deal with Jesus to be just who He says He is. Because then it's all at our feet and all the change is on our own shoulders. And then we see people who find Jesus to be fascinating. Oh, what an incredible man and what a great teacher. What a great teacher. Some of the teachings of Jesus, I even believe. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, all of these different teachings for just a man. And they keep referring to him as a man and a great teacher. But do not realize that Jesus did not give us the chance to decide between him being a great teacher and the actual son of God. Because as C.S. Lewis says, if he was not who he said he was, he's either crazy, like a lunatic, or he actually is the Lord that we claim. And so he's either a lunatic or a Lord. But you sure don't need to say 
that he's a great teacher if he's actually a lunatic who could claim to forgive sins but couldn't. Do you guys see what I'm saying? So instead, you have to fall at his knees and accept him as Lord. But you can't look at him like Herod does. Herod finds him fascinating and even wonders where the power comes from, but will not give him the glory that is due his name. Now, I won't even ask you about this, but I know that you and I know people and have even been people who called Him Jesus Christ the Lord, but never treated Him like He was actually Lord in my life. Right? Okay. So we're all together. We all know at least these two snapshots to begin. These two snapshots of humanity, and I've got two more. Let's go to our next slide. So when it comes to Jesus, Pilate tries to pass the buck. Herod is fascinated. The first thief is angry at him. And the second thief humbles himself before him. So there are three options of a negative sort in this chapter. And there is one that is right. And the first thief is angry at him. You guys remember, let's go to our next slide. As you see here, this big idea, this big idea is that to embrace Christ, you must find yourself to be empty. You must find yourself to be empty. Now, let's talk about how that plays out, and then we'll come back to this big idea. Let's go to our next slide. How does this play out? Pilate is full of power, but he's also full of fear. Because the truth of the matter is, is that if you're ever full of power, you know that comes along with that power. There's like a side bag full of fear that eventually, somehow, some way, you are going to lose the power that you rely on. So Pilate, even though he knows what is right, instead of releasing Jesus, says, I'm going to give him over to y'all and y'all figure it out. And I'm going to. Y'all remember, he literally took water in a basin and he starts washing his hands, something that has maintained and remained to this day. I wash my hands of the whole situation. So Pilate is full of power, but also full of fear. Herod is full of a pursuit of pleasure. If you know anything about Herod, he was a man who did what he wanted in the moment that he wanted, however he wanted, and whoever it hurt, it did not matter to him. That's who he was. He was on a constant pursuit of pleasure. And then that first thief turns to Jesus and says, you're the son of God, huh? Well, if you are, then pull yourself down from this cross. And by the way, while you're getting down, pull us down from this cross so none of us have to die in this, in this terrible place. So the first thief is full of anger. Herod, full of a pursuit of pleasure. Pilate, full of power and fear. But the second thief has nothing to offer. Nothing to say except for Jesus. When you enter your kingdom, would you remember me? Now this seems to be pretty basic and pretty low-key. But there is a lot of faith that is being expressed. Let's remember the setting. Jesus is stretched out on a cross. He's beaten Within inches of his life, he's bleeding like you would not believe. He's dealing with the throes of death. And the man next to him says, when you come into your kingdom, just remember me. Do you all see the faith that that took? So it is an incredible moment of faith disguised as a moment of not a lot. 
But that reminds us that faith does not depend on us and us getting the right words. And I thank God that I don't have to have the perfect words to speak to God. (laughs) He just simply said, Lord Jesus, just remember me. Remember me, this forgettable man that's dying on one side of you today. When you become the man that I believe you to be, just remember me. That's it. Not any greater flowery words, but powerful movement in his own mind and heart. A submission and an admission of who Jesus was. You guys all see that? You all understand? So this is how it plays out. Three humanity, snapshots of humanity that are not good and one that is very different. This is how our big idea plays itself out. Let's go to our next slide, back to the big idea. To embrace Christ, you must find yourself to be empty. Would you guys say that aloud with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. To embrace Christ, you must find yourself empty. To embrace Christ, I must find myself empty. In other words, what I've tried to fill that hole hasn't worked. Everything that I've accomplished is not enough. Everything that I thought that would bring me happiness has brought me to a place where I just feel like I've been checking these things off each box, but it's still the same result. I still feel empty. When you find yourself at that place, this is where you have the opportunity to turn to Christ. And can I just say, I believe with all of my heart, most of us, there's one word that keeps us from getting to the place where we admit that we are empty. You know what that is? The word more. It's the word more. It's if I just had more of these other things that have left me feeling empty, then I would finally feel full. In other words, I've got money, but if I really wanted to be full, all I need is just a good deal more money. But how many of you have ever gotten more than you ever thought you'd have and you've still found it empty? Right? You know, if I just had more time, then I would feel good, finally. But how many of you have ever had time on your hands that you could not even fill, and in the midst of it all, you still felt that lack, that lack of purpose, that lack of joy, that lack of meaning, that lack of connectivity. And it, you, you told yourself that the problem is you haven't had enough, but the answer is not found in more. It's found in different. And the different is the one who says, you know what, I'm empty and I've tried it with all of these things, whether it's pleasure or anger for my life not being what I wish it was, or these other things in a long list, this power and control that I thought if I had those things, I'd be fine. The truth is, is the answer is not in more, it is indifferent. And you will not find anything in this world that's ever been as different as the Son of God walking in sandals and being there to be ready to lay down His life to die on a cross on Mount Calvary. Like, that is the most different thing you're ever going to see or experience, and it will change you from the inside out. How do I know? Because it has changed me from the inside out. 
And every time I get off-center and He becomes faded in my view, then I begin to struggle with that feeling of empty all over again. Can I get an amen? Y'all have been there, right? Can I get an amen? Amen? We've all been there. This is not me on you. This is us together saying we got to do something different because what we have been doing is not working. So this is our big idea. To embrace Christ, you have to find yourself. I have to find myself empty. That means empty as a characteristic and empty of any answers that we have within ourselves. Let's keep moving here. Let's go to this next slide. This other something to learn. Jesus was fulfilling prophecy after prophecy when he was facing his death on that Roman cross, including the fact that when he was crucified, which is Rome's preferred method of capital punishment, instead of being stoned, and yo, this is not stoned as in 2023 stone, this is literal stones that were thrown and hurled until somebody died because of broken bones and blunt force trauma, a terrible way to die in and of itself. In this change from Jewish ways to Roman ways, the timing was perfect for Jesus to lay down his life and fulfill all of the scriptures. He fulfilled the scriptures predictions of not a single one of his bones would be broken among many others. Jesus came to fulfill the Scriptures and to be the sacrificial Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Let's go to our next slide very quickly as we move on. Don't miss this. These snapshots at the cross of Christ show us how humanity collides with divinity and where the needs of everyone like us collide with God's grace extended to every single one of us. Here's what I mean by this, don't miss this. As Jesus is dying, there are people at the foot of his cross that are hurling insults at him. It's pretty ugly. There are people at the foot of his cross that are spitting upon his naked body on that cross. This is reminder here the sinless Son of God who's done nothing wrong. There are people at the foot of His cross that are casting lots and rolling dice to see who gets to take home the one thing that was probably of value and worth, His garment. (laughs) It's an ugly scene. It's an ugly scene because Pilate had him beaten within inches of his life before he ever put him on the cross. Not because he was guilty, but because he figured he could do it and get away with it and it would be enough so they wouldn't actually crucify him. And then the Jewish leaders who had the mantle of the the religious elite in their day were calling for his crucifixion even though he'd been beaten within an inch of his life and they all knew it was trumped up charges. This is all not good for humankind. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? This reminds us that sometimes there's not a whole lot that separates humankind from animals. I mean, it's a dirty, nasty, ugly, ugly scene. It's the worst of humanity on display. In stark contrast with Jesus going through incredibly excruciating pain and saying, Father, forgive them. They do not understand what they're doing. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I know if I were unfortunate enough to find myself upon that cross, the words that would never cross my lips are forgive these people. Never. And I want to be better, but I'm just honest about who I am. Never. Especially if I knew I was 100% innocent and all of that stuff is going on at my feet. It's the ugliness of humanity with the glorious holiness and forgiveness of divinity. This is man's need meeting God's provision. It's everything that has to be done. And it all happens at the cross. And Jesus is here for it. Not because He's bad or wrong or guilty, but because He's that much of a person who loves you. And if you can't find yourself at the cross, look close because you're probably there somewhere. There's probably somebody's reaction that is very similar to yours. What it would be without Christ changing your life. It's God's grace extended to people just like us who needed it so desperately. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence? We're punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Isaiah chapter 53, one more time where God's word is being fulfilled. He was numbered among the transgressors. He's being crucified like a common criminal, but he is anything but common. And he has committed no crime. He is there so that God's goodness can shine and God's grace can be extended. And this is the thing that changes everything. This and Easter, which we're going to talk about more next week as we share and celebrate. Let's keep moving. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And then he goes on there. And that second seat says, don't you understand what's going on here? We're being punished for what we deserve. This man's getting something he does not deserve. But then the second thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's go to our next slide. Another don't, don't miss this. This passage is Grace's argument against the view that is a life set of scales where good must outweigh the bad. And by the way, if you live according to grace, you will live a life of gratitude. If you live a life according to earning it, you will live a life of arrogance and anger. It's just the way that it is. Let me share with you what I mean. This passage is Grace's argument against the view that the good must outweigh the bad. You've probably heard people talk about it in a scale. Well, I figure as I stand before God, you know, what I really need is I need the good things that I've done to outweigh all the bad things that I've done. And I think at that point, God's going to say, all right, well, you didn't get it all right, but come on in. You know, that kind of thing, right? I grew up in Oklahoma. That's what it sounds like in Oklahoma, okay? I, I mean... Y'all didn't know I could do the country country guy. So. All, right. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got news for you. That sounds good, but not in any way, shape, or form biblical. And it also is not really something that sounds good once you really start going down a little deeper. Because the truth of the matter is, is that most of the time, 
when I do good that is not motivated by God, I do good to benefit me. So suddenly, all of my good deeds kind of start dwindling away. (laughs) They're not really good deeds for others. They're good deeds for me. Even the good deeds that make me feel good, and I do them not because I want to serve you, but because I want to feel good about myself. Again, all this stuff just kind of vaporizes in the real sunlight of truth. But isn't it interesting how stark the grace is in this story? Again, I say, Jesus is nailed down, but guess who else is nailed down? The man next to him. So he literally can't do a single thing except for stay there in the same spot that he was in and be nailed to that spot. He's not moving. He can't do one single thing different than he's done. And he goes from lost to found with a single word from Jesus without a single thing being done on his part other than accepting the free gift. You guys understand what I'm saying? Thank God for grace. That means nothing according to what I've done, but everything according to what he has brought into my life. That is grace. There's no better form or reminder that grace is all that it takes. This day you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because you have accepted that I am who I say I am. Right? What a beautiful thing. And by the way, every time I embrace the grace that God has given me, I live a life of gratitude. And every time I feel like I've done something that God should be proud of or that I've earned it in some way. I start living in arrogance and anger floods in. I can't explain it. I just know it's true. Alright. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go to our next slide. Here's how you walk away. Here's what I mean. If by chance you see these four snapshots and you say, I see these three and in one of these first three, I see me. Not the the me that I want to be and not the me that that Christ has come to change, but I see these three things. One of them is me. I tend to be this thing whenever I'm wandering from Christ. If you were like Pilate and you are, are, are involved in the power and the control and even that fear, you intentionally begin to release control of things in your life and you will begin to move towards God. These are How do you walk away from that snapshot being you? Or Herod, if you're a person who is pursuing pleasure, you need to admit that you're trying to cover something that is not in your life with that idea of a constant pursuit of pleasure. And you begin to stop that pursuit now. These are the ways that you begin to walk away from those snapshots looking more and more and more like you every day. And then the first thief being full of anger, you begin with the forgiveness and then you begin to address the deep hurt or the deep shame that you feel in your life. Because truth be told, most anger at the very root of it, there is a deep hurt or a deep sense of shame. And as you begin to tackle that root cause, you begin to walk away from some of those symptoms. So very quickly, let's keep moving. I want to share this with you. And this is a great... I don't do this very often. I don't know if it's because I'm not a really big poetry guy or if I just don't read them well or what exactly it is. 
But this is a great poem. It's very short. But I think it might show exactly what I'm trying to share with you as we bring this to a close. This one is called Hands Already Full by Martha Snell Nicholson. One by one, God took them from me. All the things that I valued most until I was empty-handed and every glittering toy was lost. And I walked earth's highways grieving in my rags and poverty until I heard His voice inviting, lift those empty hands to me. And then I turned my hands toward heaven and He filled them with a store of His own transcendent riches till I could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull that God cannot pour His riches into hands that are already full. I think with all of us, we have to come to the place where we admit and realize that the emptiness that we have in our lives is our way of being reminded that it's not more. It's not anything that we can find here. It is God and God alone that brings us that fullness that we are searching for. And it is so important that we do our best to, through grace, seek Jesus and His forgiveness for us. Let's go to our next slide. So very quickly, living life with hope. We've been talking about this, and I wanted to just share this with you very quickly as I end this passage and end this time. Let's go to our next slide. How do you live life with hope? First Corinthians tells us, If in this life we alone have hope in Christ, we're of all men to be most pitied. But God has provided a way. Just like Adam brought sin into the world, Jesus Christ brought forgiveness into this world. And through Him, we can find forgiveness. Let's go to our next slide. And this is how we live life with hope. I shared this with you last week, and it still remains. And I'm going to go a little deeper. A life lived for bigger things than self brings you hope. A bigger world than what is seen. Bigger plans than just yourself. And bigger needs than just your own. So what does it look like today? Let's go to our next slide. Life lived for bigger things than self. Bringing us hope means confessing your need. And how you can't meet that need is the path to finding a bigger world and all the joy, purpose, and hope that that kind of life brings. Let's go to our next slide. This is how you apply. You identify the one person that you are most like in these snapshots. In other words, are you like Pilate? Are you like that first thief? Are you like Herod? I don't know where you are, but be instead like that fourth snapshot where you just simply say, I got nothing to offer except for offer myself. Jesus, change me. I'm empty without you, and I'm empty of all answers and how to find you. Instead, I'm seeking you and you alone. You confess it and you make that walk away step like what we talked about a few minutes ago. Check out this video as we close our service together today. That's the plan. That's the plan. No, no, no. When you're desperately in need, you don't stop and think that digging a hole in the roof of a stranger's house might be a bad idea. You just do it. So we did it. Now we pulled that operation off. That's a story for another day. <laughs> and it's a good one. You, you should have seen everybody's face when they were lowering me down all sprawled out on that mat. 
At one point, I just looked at everybody, and I was just like, hello. <laughs> everybody was shocked. Except for Jesus. It's like he was expecting me. Jesus, he had this big smile on his face. He looked up on my friends. He looked at me. And he said these words. He said, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now listen, I wasn't being lowered down on a mat because I was exhausted from running a marathon. I was being lowered on a mat because my legs didn't work. So when he said he was going to forgive my sins, I was thinking, sins? What about my legs? But I just didn't get it. See, in saying he could forgive sins, Jesus was kind of... You know, he wasn't kind of saying that. He was, he was claiming to be God. Now, I don't have time to tell you everything the Pharisees told us we had to do to earn forgiveness. Needless to say, it'd be easier to move a mountain than to find forgiveness. And here, Jesus is just handing it out. Most everybody in that room had to be thinking the same thing. Who does this guy think he is? Who does this guy think he is? You can't forgive sins if you're not God. And if you're not God, you can't do this. I went in there hoping that I could stand on my own two feet and I walked out free from sin. That's a miracle that doesn't just change me. That changes the world. Father, please change us from the inside out through your Holy Spirit's power. And Lord, we accept your grace once again, anew and afresh this Easter season, the things that you alone can provide, the emptiness that we have that reminds us how much we need you. Dear God, be with all of us. Help us to return to the God who has created us and created us for himself. And may we find our fullness and our rest in you and you alone. God, you are good. You are holy. And you are wholeness. The very thing that we need. So very quickly, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you know that maybe you've been drifting and maybe you're moving a little bit more towards those snapshots, Instead of that thief on the cross who just rests in grace. And you want to say, you know what? I want to recommit, especially during this season. I want to be called back to where He has His way in my life. And you want to just simply lift your hand. And the Lord is speaking to you. May God bless you. May God bless you. May God bless you. Thank you so much. May God bless you. May God bless you. Dear Lord, many hands today. Lord, all of us, every one of us, whether we're here today or have been in the past, we know we need you. And we know you are the one. You are the one that we look to and find hope and fullness. 
may we find you today in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody together said, Amen. God bless you guys. We love you all so much. Thank you so much for giving me the chance each and every week to be able to share around God's Word with you. Y'all are always a blessing to me. And I can't wait to celebrate Easter with you guys here next week. So y'all come and y'all bring somebody. And uh, we're going to have a great time as we celebrate Easter together. Thanks for being a part of the EHC family. It ain't the same without you. So make sure you're always a part. We love you. Okay.